I'm going to have you pray this prayer with me. And so if I could have you stand. I know you just sat down. But I'm going to have you stand with me. This is a prayer we're going to pray over the next six weeks. And if somebody could grab me one of those brown stools at some point, find one, and, and bring it down after I get done with this prayer. Oh my goodness. It's magically right there. Um, but Chris, could you, could you throw up this prayer? We're going to read this out loud for the next six weeks. Andrea wrote this. She's not here tonight. She's taking care of one of our sick children. Something you have to do as a parent. And so, let's just read this together. Heavenly Father, Most High God, we thank You that You became flesh that dwelt among us so that we might behold You fully. You sacrificed for us so we might live in the fullness of God by the example of Jesus and the help of Your Spirit. We repent for not stewarding the fullness of life that You made perfect for sacrifice for. We take our place as carriers of the kingdom of God and our responsibility to walk in fullness of life. Would heaven and earth collide in us, O God, and would a holy explosion ring out to the world so they might see in us? Just like people would touch the hem of Jesus' garment, see Peter's shadow, or touch Paul's cloth and be clothed, would those around us experience the supernatural power and presence of God as they interact with us in our everyday spaces? Give us greater awareness of your presence every day. Make us thin places, Father. Amen. All right. Oh, look at that beautiful graphic. There you go. Oh, man. Well, we start a series tonight. And um, I've been thinking about this series for a while. I love uh, this phrase, thin place. I've seen it over the last few years. And those of you know, I've spent a little bit of time studying um, this form of Christianity that happened in church history that we called Celtic Christianity. Basically, as I shared this last week, there were a few hundred years where um, this unique expression of God's people on earth formed. And part of the reason was, as the fall of the Roman Empire happened, there were a lot of places that used to be like more connected and larger cities, they became less connected and they became more rural. And so as missionaries had gone out from the Vatican and the rest of the expression of the church to the Celtic worlds, um, that there was a, their own DNA that formed as a church community that developed over a few, few hundred years of being sort of more rural people. And so that the, uh, the, the nature of their faith took on an expression that was more akin to the culture that they were. And they, in the culture, there, it, was, it was more of a simple and, and rural way of living. And so there was this very organic you know, thing that happened. And, and a lot of the saints that we look at, they talk about encountering God in places of nature. How many of you ever encountered God in places of nature? 
Man, if there's something, if there's something like that, if I ever feel unsettled, like my instinct is go take a walk. Like you, you don't underestimate how healing a walk and talk with God can be. Like sometimes we don't need to like lay on the floor and cry and turn on the loudest worship song. Like how many of you have done that? <laughs> sometimes we just need to take a walk. And, um, and so they had this idea that there were these places in nature where we would encounter God. And, um, and anyways, just a, there's just a lot of beautiful stories. If you ever get a chance, there's just troves and troves of history. And there's actually this interesting place in Scotland that Andrew and I really want to go to. It's called Iona. There's a couple of, of praying communities there that are praying in a sort of continual fashion and it's this island. It looks really beautiful. I should have put a picture up of there, but Andrew and I want to go there someday. Um, but anyway, the point of this series is not going to be talk about is going to be talking about how you go find a really cool spot in nature and find <laughs> find the thin place. The point of the series is going to be talking about how we become those thin places. And so, anyway, there you go. Um, I have to confess to you, and a lot of times I, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to figure out what God wants to do, one of the things I try to start with is what is he doing in me? And when I was preparing for this series, I was pretty excited about this series because I felt like I could tell you a lot of really cool-sounding, profound things that would make me seem very spiritual. Like, how many of you have ever tried to act cooler than you are before? <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. Um, I love the idea of connecting with the Lord. But sometimes, I can allow my identity of being a godly person and being a spiritual person be bigger than actually being a godly person. And so, anyway, I sat down to, I sat down to uh, pull all my really profound thoughts together. And none of my profound thoughts really came that well together. And so, I, I kind of stand here with you tonight at the opening of a series, kind of, waiting on God to kind of lead tonight and teach us as I don't really have a set form that I'm going to follow. And that makes me anxious still to this day, even though I've done that 800 times over my life. I still live with a little bit of, oh my gosh, like God, like I could bomb tonight and it could be really awkward. This funny story, I remember this one time I preached this message and it was so bad, like, I'm not exaggerating to you, it was so bad that I thought to myself, I had this thought that came through about 10 minutes in, you know what you should do right now, is you should tell everybody, it ain't working tonight, you know it's not working, I know it's not working, I should just say amen and we should all go home. And like, I was like almost, I was almost there. Um, but anyway, the point is, I, you know, I feel that little bit of nervousness. How many of you ever feel nervousness about things? 
I share you that to say we all feel that. Um, thin place, though. This last year, I went on this business trip with some friends, and I was doing some different things at this convention, this conference. And I really realized, like, my mind really wasn't, like, set on the Lord in this time. I was kind of just distracted and not really focused. And, uh, you know, we were going from different meeting to meeting and lectures. And, and so I was sitting with this person who, not a Christian, and, but, a, but, a, but a close friend, and we're at, in this business setting. And I'm just like, I don't know. My mind is just not, you know, in the best place. I'm just not focused. And this person mentions, they're like, oh my God, you know, they mentioned that their back was really hurting from, from just all the up and down of the business trip. And it was like, like God pierced through my heart. And I was like, I, I, looked, at, I looked at her and I said, I'm going to put my hand on your back. This is not a Christian. It's not a person who has any familiarity with church. She goes, I go, I'm going to put my hand on your back and all your pain is going to go away. And like, it did not come this like sort of faith. Like, I never say that. If you hear me pray, like, I literally never say that. Like, that does not come out of my mouth. But this faith did not come because I had like prayed myself up. It, it came because there was this moment where God was reaching through to me through this other person. And so I, I walk over, I put my hand on this, on this lady's back, and I pray, and all the pain leaves her body. Like, and I'm sitting there like, just as stunned as her. <laughs> and, and so anyways, I look at her, and I'm like, well, holy cow, that worked. <laughs> And we got to have this opportunity to talk about the Lord sitting there in this business conference. So God, like, He invades when we least expect Him to. Sorry, I'm kind of prayerfully sitting through what I want to tell you. Let me grab my Bible. You guys all right out there? I have no snacks for you, Toby. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to read from Matthew 27, starting in verse 50. I'm going to tell you some prayers that I have for this series, for this time. Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. 
Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming coming out of graves and after his resurrection, they went out into a holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, Truly, this is the Son of God. If there's any scripture in the Bible that declares what I'm believing for in this time, it's this scripture. It's that what was contained in a space, God has torn. He has opened to be uncontained. I want to go back to Creation to develop this idea a little bit. So when in Genesis 1, when God is creating, I've heard N.T. Wright and a couple of other theologians comment on this, but if you look at the cadence of the way that God does creation in Genesis 1, it becomes clear that the way God is creating, uh, He is creating a temple. That everything in creation, the birds the trees, the mountains, the valleys, that every single thing that's in creation was created for one intended purpose, and that's to, to reflect the glory of God, to worship Him. And at the very center place of this temple, He puts an image bearer. And that image bearer is us. And so He creates this temple that, that we would call the heavens and the earth, that where worship can happen, where God can be glorified. And there's this, there's this perfect union. It's not that heaven and earth are the same. It's that there's this perfect union between heaven and earth. In fact, Genesis tells us that union's so perfect that it says that, that, that the Lord walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Like there's a, there was a, an overlap between that which is visible and that which is invisible. And so God is crafting this temple. He's crafting this place in creation where he can be glorified. And at the center of this, he has an image bearer. Now, it occurred to me when I was thinking about this that some of us think that God has, that he like created in seven days and stopped creating. Like, I believe that God is still crafting his temple to this day. Like God is still creating and recreating in us vessels that can give Him worship. Like like creation is being redeemed in a temple that it can express praise to God. And so, the image bearer, y'all know the story, the image bearer in this story ends up violating covenant with God. And like, you know, causes this darkness to enter into the story. Now, fast forward a little bit. Like, God has this people that He calls Israel. And so, um, so he, he gives them these tabernacles, and then finally, with Solomon, He gives them an, a temple. And instead of God's temple being the whole of creation, God's temple is in this one contained place. It's in this one contained place. So, like, it's the Holy of Holies... You, you enter in through these different layers and then you have the veil that's torn here. You have the veil that 
um, that you enter into. And the priest, in order to come into this place, has to be ceremonially clean. They have to be able to be right before God so that they can enter into the Holy of Holies lest they, lest they might die. And so they, they come into this holy place and they come in and they in God they commune with God in this place. They get like words from the Lord in this place. They get, you know, cleansed in this place. There's this whole thing that happens for the whole nation in this Holy of Holies. And so when Jesus dies, this place that contained the manifest presence of God is ripped from top to bottom. Like, it specifically says the veil is torn from top to bottom. I want you to see this. The thing that God, like God had them build this temple. God gave them the dimensions for the Holy of Holies. And the very thing that He created, that He had them create to contain His presence is the very thing that He tore and destroyed. Like, nobody else tears it. Like, God tears it. And so, the story of humanity is that there's this perfect, this, you know, that Toby described this membrane. There's this perfect balance between heaven and earth and God's creation, where heaven and earth are in perfect communion with each other. And that when that is removed, God comes and reveals himself in a contained place. And then finally he prophesies and we see this prophecy in Jeremiah that he's going to have a covenant with them that's not like the covenant they have. He's going to write the law on their hearts and on their minds and he's not going to be contained by these things. And so then God, he, he then destroys this container, if you will. He destroys this place. He rips the veil and says, no longer will I be contained inside this Holy of Holies. And so the, the story of humanity is one of coming into this thin place of God that He's initiating. Now, I, I don't think this is just the story of like humanity as a whole. I think this is the story of all of our lives. I think that God comes and when He reveals Himself to us, He comes in ways that look contained. Like maybe you encountered God in corporate worship. How many of you have encountered God in corporate worship? Maybe you encountered God in the secret place. Maybe you encountered God in some specific way where He spoke to you and marked your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And as we go on in our journey with Him, as we go on in our journey with Him, what we find is that some of the things that actually revealed His nature to us, they, it's like they become stale to us. Are you with me? God will tear up what He created to reveal His holiness to you. So that it will expand into all of creation into all of your life. He may start in your prayer life. He may start in your worship. He may start in the love you experience. But His goal is to uncontain you.
His goal is to uncontain Himself within you. We have relegated often our experience with God to the secret place or to the worship time. And God is tearing those veils off. I came with this question tonight. Sometimes I start a sermon with like a thought, but the question to me came in the form of a sermon. The, the, or the sermon came to me in the form of a question. Where, where have we contained God within ourselves? There's this role of priests in the, New Testament, in the Old Testament that's really interesting to me. I taught on this probably a year or two ago. A couple years ago, God asked me, he, he spoke to me, he said, I'm going to take you on a journey of redefining what holiness is for you. And so I started reading the scriptures about what holiness is. And there's a couple of passages in the scriptures that are really interesting to me. In Leviticus and Ezekiel, you see this, that the that role of the priests, that their job is to delineate between things that are holy and things that are common and between things that are clean and things that are unclean. Are you with me so far? And, and I read this, and the Lord immediately exposed to me. How many of you grew up in a church, this might be a few of us, where you heard this word holiness, and it was thrown around with the idea of like abstaining from all the worldly passions. I read the scripture and it leaped out at my heart when I realized that the opposite of holiness is not sinfulness, it's commonness. The opposite of holiness is not sinfulness, it's commonness. There's cleanness and unclean and uncleanness, and then there's holiness and commonness. So in these temples, there, the, the temple that God gave, there were there were utensils that were some were set aside only for worship and some were set aside for common use. Like, it's not a matter of whether something is clean or unclean. What holy means is something is uncommonly set apart for God's use. And so there's this, this idea that I feel like that we've lived at, with Christians as Christians that our whole goal in life is just to get a little less unclean and a little more clean. And that's what the journey of maturity is. But what I want to tell you is that the journey of becoming a thin place, the journey of maturity is becoming something that is common into something that is holy. When God tore the veil, what He was declaring is my holiness is no longer contained. Holiness is filling all of creation. Our job as priests, as those who are, that's what we're all called, we're a kingdom of priests. Our job 
is to become those that are holy, first of all. But secondly, we are called to declare and to see and to delineate that which is holy from that which is common. You get this privilege of being the image bearer of Jesus and standing in the midst of His temple of worship, which is the whole of creation, and going to every person and saying to them, God has made you for something holy. Do you realize like what the implications of this? That Jesus put this veil together and He's the one who tore it apart. We don't get to choice. We don't get to choose the holy places anymore. The holy place is not just in your bedroom. It's not just in the worship service. It's not just the people who are Christians. Like You get to speak to that which is holy in every human being. In every part of creation, our goal, our role is to be those who become an expression of this holiness and also to be those who draw out this holiness out of every part of creation. This is what it means that we are ministers of reconciliation. Is that we are going into everything that God has done and and saying, "I'm, I'm going to be a part of redeeming this back into its intended purpose and plan. Like God has declared that all of creation is a thin place now. The only question is, can we perceive it? Sorry if it feels like I'm struggling. I am struggling. Matthew 6, it says, I think maybe it's Matthew 7. My brain is just not there. Um, Somewhere in the Bible, it says that if the eye is full of light, the whole body will be full of light. One One of the issues that we have in not encountering God in every place, not encountering His holiness in every place, is that we perceive places and things and people. We perceive unholiness. But I believe that God has called us to see the uncommon in everyone. Is this making sense? So there's, there's, there's two journeys of maturity that we're on as believers. We are those who are walking out of what is unclean into what is clean. How many of you believe that? It's part of our role. Like, we cannot remove the reality that part of what Jesus has done 
is to forgive us, yes, but also to renew and to recreate us into clean and pure vessels. Like, you know, it, 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 it says, you know, those that practice lawlessness, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. So part of our journey of maturity is coming into cleanness. But another part of our journey of maturity that we don't talk about often enough is becoming common to, to, to uncommon. Common to holy. Like, I'm going to tell you this. Nobody gives two cents. That nobody is impressed by somebody who just doesn't sin a lot. But people are drawn to the light of Jesus when you become a holy vessel. When you become one of those people that, that it's like people recognize that you're set apart, that, you're, that you have been uncommonly given over to God, they are, they are drawn to it. It's like a moth to the flame. Like People are so compelled by it. Like I can't tell you how many times in a business setting, I'm with a bunch of people who aren't, aren't Christians. And like my role is like, you know, to help them sell their business or do, do whatever it is. And they end up asking me, they find out that I pastor church and they end up at, talking to me about that almost entirely. Because people are, they're drawn to those that are convicted by something that move in this realm of being uncommonly set apart for God's use. I think it's Ecclesiastes 5 that says that eternity is in the hearts of man. And so when we see people living out what is eternally true, we're, we're drawn by it. But the flip side of this thing is true. That not only are they compelled, but when you call out in them what is holy, when you call out in them what is beautiful, what has been created by God, it draws out of them this intrigue, this fascination with the presence of God. Guys, here's what we need to be declaring to people. All of creation is a thin place. Jesus has torn the veil in His death. The Spirit is no longer contained. He is now uncontained. The, the question is, is He uncontained in you? Because it, when He becomes uncontained in you, you become a thin place where heaven and earth merge everywhere you go. I really enjoy barbecuing and good barbecue. <laughs> How many of you? I can't believe that in the last few months I have not weaved this into a sermon one time. It's actually kind of stunning. You know, like the Lord this last year, I started asking the Lord for, for rhythms and things that would help me connect with Him. And, and uh, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to get out by your smoker and barbecue something every Friday and talk to me and prepare your sermon. 
Okay? So one of the most holy things that God has asked me to do is to sit in front of a fire and turn coals every week. Are you with me? Like this is a time that's been set apart for God. I'm not over there with like worship music or I'm not over there with like the scriptures like plowing through them. I just like taking care of a fire, talking to the Lord. Maybe somebody will drop in and, you know, come talk to me, you know, while I'm there. But I just, I literally just sit there for, because if you, some things that you're cooking, it might take you 12 hours to cook. And there's not like the kind of barbecue setup I got, like you have to sit there and just monitor this thing. And so I sit over here and I do this process with, with, you know, with the Lord. And it is, I'm telling you, it is one of the most holy things that He's called me to do. I tell you that to say, like, God is not confined or contained by your perceptions of what is holy and not holy. We have too narrowly defined how we encounter the presence of God. And because we have too narrowly defined how we encounter the presence of God, it limits us from seeing the presence of God and the holiness of others. And when we come into this place of recognizing that the whole of creation has been fascinated, has been fashioned, and God is continuing to fashion it as a temple of worship for God, then we can actually encounter God's beauty in other people. I have a friend, most of y'all have met, they've been around church in different times, but I've got these friends from New Zealand and I'm wearing this necklace. Um, They had been, you know, we we had a, man, I'm really not thinking tonight, Grace and, and their daughter had gone to school together and so they became really good friends and then we became really good friends with them. And before they move back to New Zealand, they have actually since come back to Dallas, but before they moved back to New Zealand, we were hanging out a lot. And so, you know, they actually left their car with us because they didn't, you know, have anywhere else. They hadn't sold their car and hadn't left it. I ended up buying their car because it just sat in my garage in the back. It sat in my backyard for two months and I was needing a car. I was like, oh, I should buy the car that sits in my backyard. And so they had left a bunch of stuff with us, but before they left, he, he, he wanted to come over to my house, and he was like, hey, I have something for you. And he came in to my kitchen, and he had this in his hand. And he was crying. And I was like, what, what, uh, what's going on here? And so he was like, in, in our culture, he said, some people will, will buy this when they come to New Zealand. It's, it's Ponimu. It's Greenstone from New Zealand. And in Maori, Polynesian culture, you know, it's something that can only be gifted. And so, he, uh, he's crying when he said, hey, I want to give this to you. You can't come to New... I mean, some people do come to New Zealand and buy it, but that's not really the way it's supposed to happen. And so, he, he gave this to me. And I found out that his mom, he had, his mom had given it to him the day his dad died. And, and so it was real important in his story. 
so when they came back, we, this came up in conversation. I said, by the way, like, how many of those have you been given in your life? And he said, well, that was the only one I was ever given. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. What the Lord showed me was somebody who didn't even know his name was ministering his goodness to me. God's generosity was flowing through somebody who, who didn't even confess his name. And because God gave me eyes to see it, I could see it as such. I got to see it as this holy moment where God was not only marking him, he was marking me. Guys, the thin place is every day, it's every moment. It is not contained by our theology. It is not contained by our prayer closet. It is not contained by our worship. It is not contained by our church. It is, not, it is held in all of these things. But, but Ephesians tells us that God is above all things, that He's in all things, that He's through all things, that the whole of this creation is testifying to His goodness. And if we can see it, we will find His holiness in every part of life. Are you with me? And so, this, my prayer over the next few weeks, hopefully we will offer, offer some stuff that's more practical, or not, we will offer some stuff that's more practical. My prayer over the next three week, few weeks is that we're going to talk about rhythms and postures and perspectives and approaches that will allow us to be people who are encountering Him in every part of life. Like God does not just want to be contained in your Bible prayer devotional time. Everywhere. The biggest thing that is robbing us from fullness, we talked about this word fullness last week, is that we're allowing part of our lives to be common and part of our lives to be holy. Everything gets to be holy. If we will perceive, this is what, if, you know, as, as the eye is filled with light, the whole body is filled with light. If we can perceive God at work in every situation, we will encounter His holiness. And the whole, it's like the whole church right now, I, like I'm talking about Clear Path, I'm talking about everywhere. Everybody I talk to is living in the pain of some disappointment from the past or the anxiety of manifesting something in their future. It's like God isn't way out there. He's right here. And you will never, you, until you encounter God's presence in the present, you'll never encounter God anywhere. Well, you think that's crazy, but, but it might be tomorrow that you have to encounter Him in the present. Like, God isn't in some part of, He is in your future, but He isn't far away in some part of your future. He's right here. And everybody's trying to figure out how do we get to the thin place? How do I get to, how do I get to my destiny? How do I get to past this disappointment? 
His presence is in the present. He's here right now. This can be a holy moment if I encounter Him in the moment. Like God is in everything and He's everywhere. And I'm not just talking about technically. I'm talking about relationally. Are are you with me? I'm trying to figure out how to land this plane. I'm going to take us back to the question. But before I do this, I, I want to remind us of this, this uh, story in Acts where Peter, he, I think it's in Acts 9 and 10, Peter is, has this vision. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The trance. He sees the unclean things. They're coming down. And, he, and he's like, take and eat. And God's like, he's like, no, God is unclean, you know. He's like, don't declare, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Man, there's a whole story there, but we won't talk about that. And so then, he ends up getting called by this man from Joppa, who I believe is Cornelius. And I didn't have this story planned tonight, so I'm just trying to get there in my mind. Um, so, so he goes to this place of prayer. And what happens is, is that he declares what he knows. And then the Holy Spirit is poured out on all these people. Now, Peter's perspective, up until this point, is he's a Jew. Like, and he thinks the Gospel is for the Jews. Exclusively. And so Peter finds out, as he goes to the house of someone who does not know Jesus, who does not in his mind, is not a Hebrew, he goes and finds out what the gospel is at their house. He spent three years with Jesus, was indwelled with the Spirit and power in Acts 2, like God had marked his life. He preached the first gospel message. Like in Acts 2, he's the first person in the church to preach anything. Like the Holy Spirit is living in this man. He spent time with Jesus and he encounters the fullness of the gospel in someone who doesn't know anything. God has a revelation of himself. He has a whole he has holiness to reveal to us in the places that we least suspect it. He had the boundaries that he had God contained in the boundaries. And God opened up, opened it up wider still. Amen? Okay. I want to put this question out there to you. Before I put that question out there to you, I I just want to say this. I really believe in this time, if we let it, God will make us the kinds of people that are thin places in every part of life. Like, we will be able to stop and encounter Him on a walk. We'll be able to, to jump on the trampoline with our kids and sense the presence of God. I, I, there's a story of this pastor that I listened to who had 
who had gotten this form, he, he was surfing and got hit on a rock and he got this form of amnesia where he couldn't remember anything on the past and he couldn't think about the future at all. Like he was just completely like in the moment, like, he, like nothing else, you know, his brain just couldn't compute anything. And so his wife bought him this burrito and he ate this burrito and he describes it as like the most insane flavors that he had ever, so he describes it as the eternal burrito. <laughs> but it's interesting how full life can become when you're completely present. So my goal as a pastor is to see the consciousness of God expanded into every part of life. This may get repetitive. He's saying that. But I believe it's the way God wants to work is to be those who are calling out the holiness in each other, in our own lives, and the world around us. So the eternal burrito. Maybe you will have an eternal brisket at my house because I cooked it. (laughs) So I want to ask you this question. And I want to have you close your eyes. Thank you for being patient with me tonight. Where is God contained in your life that He doesn't want to be contained? Where have you contained Him? Let's just sit in silence with that. to stay in silence for a couple more minutes. I want to encourage you. I think that some of you are going to find that God is already at work in a much deeper way in your life than you've given Him credit for. He only wants you to draw your attention to how He's at work.
Lord, I pray that You would show us that we are not those. It is not our responsibility first to initiate this thin place, this place where heaven meets earth. But God, You have first initiated it. You have first torn the veil. I pray that we would see that we don't have to start Your good work in us. That all we have to do is see your, Your good work in us. We don't have to start your good work in us. All we have to do is see your good work in us. And as we see what you're doing, as we hear what you're doing, and as we partner with it, we become holy. God, make us holy. I pray that over every person in this room. God, make them those that are holy. Make them those that see the holiness in those around them. God, make them uncommonly set apart for you. In Jesus' name. I feel like we should just in our own quiet way take a moment of repenting for containing Him. God, I can... I just repent of limiting you in my own life. I pray that you'd give me eyes to see and ears to hear where your Spirit's at work in all parts of life. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen.